I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, the CDC mandated Bob Mackey, who is here with me this month as always. Well, hey, it's Henry Gilbert and I did a top 30 list of Simpsons episodes, but I'm not releasing it. Until next year, maybe? Uh, you know what? I, I Until we hit a certain number on Patreon, I'm not going to say it, but when we hit At 20K, it. 20K, we will release it. Okay. Both of our, our, our top 30. <laughs> but in case nobody knows what's going on here, this is our community podcast. Every month we talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world in an our world and then we talk about uh what your questions and comments for uh, this month's round of episodes in case everybody knows or doesn't know i am currently in canada using a different setup i have not moved here i'm just here temporarily so this will not be the sound quality uh, of talk to the audiences in the future i'm just on a uh, a different sound setup just to let everyone know ahead of time mm-hmm. yeah i will not sound like this in the future so just to put that out there. we haven't recorded together in uh two and a half weeks uh was that uh, Millennium probably Macros closer was? to three wow yeah I think I guess, closer to yeah. three weeks yeah man Time flew. It's been a very, very, yes, very nice break. Thank you to all the patrons out there. Uh, because of you, we can do this full time and work way ahead to give ourselves some time off for the holidays. So it's been a lot of fun for me. And I know based on the notes we have in front of us, Henry and I have seen a lot of movies. So this <laughs> podcast might be more about movies than uh, The Simpsons. But hey, that's fine, right? Yeah. Now this has become a what movies did you watch podcast? That's what our, our podcast has turned into. <laughs> And uh, I'm also a little bit sick, but not with Omicron, because if you would not believe this, uh, there are also other diseases floating around out there. So I came down with the cold uh, and I thought I had Omicron briefly, but I took two tests and I'm fine. So, you know, that's, uh, that, that was a little scary. That's the pain of any, of any cold. Now, I my husband had a cold recently. I, I didn't have it, but we both were like, well, we have to know for sure if we have a cold like symptoms, we should know. I feel like that's just going to how it, it it's going to be. And of course, uh, I mean, how? available were take-home tests over there because in our neck of the woods not easy to find I think Nina had more ahead of time, uh, ah. but the only downside of Canadian healthcare, everything else is a million times better, but you still have to pay for tests mm. yeah, for well. COVID. Uh, oh. For rap, not for non-rapid tests, for like, I forget what the uh, abbreviation Antigen is for them, but the... the kind that you, yeah, something like that. Yeah. The, the ones that most people need for like uh, crossing the border and everything like that. Oh yeah. I, well, the take-home ones here, like they still cost like 25 bucks in there. I had to, uh, when we used up our two ahead of our trip, to visit family then i was like well we need to get two more there weren't any at any of the local drug stores around here and so we i just literally bought them on amazon for 50 bucks for for four tests total which uh this country we should all be reimbursed for all of this bullshit I'm sure Joe Biden's going to introduce a great form for us all to fill out to our healthcare <laughs> providers, as long as we I save receipts. Visit a broken website. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we should talk about uh, Simpsons news starting off. So, I mean, we started off with some depressing uh, the COVID discussion, and unfortunately, <laughs> our first bit of news is a tiny bit depressing because, I mean, we saw we've been seeing a lot of these. Surprisingly, we saw a few of these at the beginning of 2021. Now we're at the end of 2021, and another Simpsons writer has passed away. So, uh, Frank Mula, he passed away. He was the writer of I Love Lisa, uh, The Last Temptation of Homer, and Faith Off, the season 11 episode. Uh, He passed away at some point in December in the last episode of 2021 
was dedicated uh, to his memory. So yeah. Frank uh, was kind of like an older Simpsons writer. I mean, um, he's not as old as John Swartzwelder, who I believe is the oldest Simpsons writer, not counting James L. Brooks. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was uh, either 71 or 72. Oh, man. Uh, Frank Mueller. Now, that, it was such a shock when I so when I saw Al Jean tweet that the rerun that aired this uh, Sunday would have a dedicated to Frank Mueller at the end of it with a picture from I Love Lisa. I was like, wait, did I did I miss something? And I did miss something, but like it wasn't as far as I could tell, up to yesterday, he didn't get like a big obituary in like variety or or even like his local newspaper. Uh the only other place I could find like Frank Mueller on Twitter mentioned was some friend of his who I think worked with him on on a not Simpsons. I uh, was like, uh R.I.P. to Frank Mueller, one of the funniest guys, worked on everything. I was like, wow, why how it's just, you know, I, it makes me wonder how much he had left hollywood that he was that his passing could uh go without you know like a press release or like his manager telling somebody to publish it yeah well when we did faith off in uh for season 11 maybe in 2020 i forget when that was but i did a mini bio on him and i think faith off was his last credited episode script Mm -hmm. and i I wrote a few notes in here just as a reminder for like what he did on the simpsons so he started with uh brother can you spare two dimes as a writer on the show so late season three he left uh mid-season five after homer and a poo uh, he came back in the late 90s to be consulting producer and then in season 11 he was co-executive producer of the show mm. uh, I believe he left Fox sorry he left the Simpsons because he had a development deal with Fox and like a lot of those guys from the first four seasons he created his own sitcom that failed <laughs> that was called Local Heroes it was a uh, Jay Moore sitcom it aired five of seven produced episodes and before the Simpsons he was a writer on the Gracie Films ABC sitcom Sibs for which uh, Sam Simon and uh, James L. Brooks produced. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how he found his way onto the show. And that's where he got like retirement money. He's, uh, yeah, I, you know, with that timeline, he does seem to be one of those guys who's like, didn't stick around in the Merkin time. Like, who just, you know, we heard some yeah. stories that Merkin didn't get along with everybody. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like, I mean, we love David Merkin, but it seems like uh, he's a real particular person and not everyone gets along with him. And there are a lot of people that didn't last beyond season season five with him mm-hmm. uh so he might have been one of the ones who said you know what i'm not a big fan of merkin i'll find something else to do or uh hey fox is offering me this uh pilot deal so i'll go off with the uh, and do that but he came back to the show for scully's run and i think he was a scully friend because like scully mula was a writer on both uh, what a country the yakov smirnoff sitcom and uh out of this world the uh, high concept alien girl sitcom <laughs> which uh, i think gayest episode ever just did a podcast about oh Spectacular. yeah they did no yeah the scully you know scully always likes working with his uh the same troop of guys and and even better for him it's like hey i used to work with you and i know you write great simpsons episodes so why don't you join me on the show and help out i think too he was looking you know this is when gene became a co-executive producer lots more people moved up to co-exec producer in the scully years i think than in the i should look more into the ranking of people like what was like was dan graney a co-exec producer under uh, bill and josh like who else was an executive producer under the bill and josh years yeah i mean there there seems to be a lot of producers around that time Mm -hmm. and i mean frank only wrote uh three episodes but basically any episode between uh brother can you spare two dimes and homer napu he's responsible for at least some of the jokes Mm -hmm. in those episodes so uh he contributed a lot especially to season four which everybody loves to death so yeah that's him and uh one interesting fact i found on his imdb one of his earliest writing jobs was writing for uh, madam's place which was the <laughs> oh. Wayland flowers in madam the puppets oh man they had their own show 
Uh, that so Waylon like... Flowers is the namesake of Waylon Smithers, in case that's... you didn't know. And he was like a 70s variety show comedian. Sorry, Henry. No, no, that's amazing. I, I, uh, I'm sad we can't. I, I was just going to say, oh, to ask him questions about working on that. It's like, no, it, no you can't. It's, uh, I, I, uh, the only other thing I have about Mula is that I really love him on the commentary for I Love Lisa. Like, he's so deadpan and funny. And he, <laughs> uh, the best thing is that they have a, you know, they have the, uh, Vietnam flashback joke where the man gets shot through his valentine to death and Mac Raining says I got letters from people saying that they didn't like this uh, that they were Vietnam vets right. and that this was very distressing to them and then Mueller says like you should have wrote back and said there wasn't a Vietnam flashback in the show <laughs> and just to fuck with their <laughs> like just this the subtle way he was joking about about someone's PTSD was just it was a real shock laugh but I, I had a good chuckle at it that was a commentary highlight and he's also on Twitter, or he was on Twitter rather. Uh, his Twitter account is still active. Mm -hmm. uh, the Talking Mula, and he his last tweet is on November sixth, so it must have been a sudden thing, or he wasn't public with whatever was going on with him. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, he was a a big contributor to the show. I mean, you really can't count their con contributions by the amount of episodes they wrote because obviously it's a collaborative effort. So uh, just mm -hmm. a huge impact on some of the most formative years of the show. Oh yeah. So the one thing about Canada is the well, there are some downsides in that there's no Hulu. <laughs> There's no HBO Max, mm. but uh, their Disney Plus is much better because they don't have Hulu. So a lot of Hulu stuff is like packaged in with Disney Plus as part of the star package. Mm. So uh, they do have new Simpsons. But unfortunately, uh, as of this recording, the latest ones they have are a serious flander. So I didn't get to see these new episodes for December, one of which called Mothers and Other Strangers kind of rewrites the Mother Simpson uh, timeline. And apparently Henry didn't care for that very much. And not not so much. I well, it was a it was an Al Jean special meaning it had a lot of references to old stuff a lot of watching television and also that it kind of messes with something that was in the bill and josh seasons which is it's like that's just something gene does a lot and the, you know they brought back mona simpson many times uh in in his uh time since taking over i think to because he really liked her you know the idea and glenn close as a big guest star but then they killed her off, you know, like they, they, they killed off Mona Simpson, uh, not uh, too recently, but this was like trying to fix it again, where, you know, it's such a great, uh, what pissed me off about it was, it is such a great joke in Mother Simpson when Homer says, my, my dad told me she died while I was at the movies. Like, it's just <laughs> such a heartbreaking, sad thing. And it's about what Homer is just such like a trusting idiot. And then this story uh, is a big flashback where Homer goes like, oh, actually, actually no i realized by the time i was a teen she wasn't dead that she had moved away and that then we're going to and she was on the lamb and we're going to try to find her i'm like well then wait i mean obviously you could just say homer has so many much brain damage he would forget he did this but i was like if homer in his teens went looking for mona and knew she wasn't dead then why was he so shocked to find out she wasn't dead in the entire it like removes the whole point of that episode you know which is like one of yeah. my favorite episodes yeah so. I, I really don't like that. I, I probably will watch it just to get mad. And actually, Henry, uh, that episode where they killed her was a while ago. It was actually May of 2008. Good Lord. So, wow. Uh, almost 14 years ago Holy is when they shit. thought, well, you know, 20 seasons are probably fine for us. And uh, let's just get rid of this character. But no, mm. it's going to keep going on forever. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm not a fan of that. As a big Mother Simpson fan, I, I don't like how they're doing that. I mean, I, I think I get Al Jean's intention that he just wanted like more sweet moments with, with Homer and his mom, which he 
these you know he they, they are very powerful but if you keep going back to that well then it creates more moments and it makes them lesser by doing them i think and then and then also mm-hmm. it just ended in like in such an algene special like completely unrelated to the rest of the episode they then have it end with an eight and a half parody it just straight up puts different versions of homer are in the parade if you've you've seen the uh fellini film eight and a half it ends with a parade of every character in the movie uh like what doing a like basically a circus act and going in a circle to a very specific song they got that song played it over black and white of different drop versions of homer from the entire series doing all the moves in it i was like well this this has nothing to do this episode wasn't an eight and a half parody it's just you decided the last like 90 seconds should be that and it just felt kind of disjointed yeah yeah that feels like a critic move not in terms of the emotionality but just like well now homer exists in this movie world yes here it is yes yes it actually is extremely (laughs) critic-y and in that the joke would have been exactly the same 30 years ago too on the critic because it was still an old movie then you know and and showing off like how uh how smart and clever you are if you get this fellini reference i've seen this black and white movie yeah (laughs) so there's another episode that was out uh that i also didn't see i apologize everybody out there but i'm i'm behind the uh, the maple curtain here they don't let these new episodes uh <laughs> pass the gate and uh yeah there's an episode called a maid maggie and then uh, maggie joined fat tony's mob it was a christmas episode i had no idea they were doing another christmas one this year because they did two last year right yeah it was slightly christmasy and uh it, okay i i honestly i didn't want I, I watched a few minutes of it i was like eh, i'm good i'm good i just i'm getting tired of hearing joe montaigne he's also getting pretty old as fat tony and i think they don't always have the funniest stuff for him these days i don't know mm. i the the i would just go back to watch instead if you want to watch a good christmas one that's recent just watch the one from last season where they're filming a hallmark movie in springfield i thought that was a better gimmick episode but that is because it's a selman gimmick one not a you know treacly algae one uh no no offense and, and people think we're yeah we, we like algae but if people think we're being too negative uh go back to last month and we liked most of the november stuff oh yeah uh, that was probably the most new simpsons i've watched and enjoyed in uh, i don't know 15 years or so so we had, yeah we had a good november with the show we had so many nice things to say about a serious flanders yeah and uh so we talked about this up front henry but uh, variety did another top 30 list of uh, the top 30 episodes of the show there was a nice triad including some post uh, season 10 stuff but you can tell how they kind of lose self-control and immediately revert back to seasons one through nine yeah but one thing i noticed about this uh and i feel the times they are changing or as uh, uh, skinner would say they are uh, becoming quite different <laughs> is that uh last exit to springfield is no longer even like in the discussion of best simpsons episodes ever uh at the beginning of the 2000s i think maybe to 2010 even that was just like oh hands down it's the funniest one the uh, you know Dun- so long dental plan all the fun jokes from that but even on the commentary uh kogan and waldarski was like yeah we half wrote this and conan finished it and we didn't even think it was good yeah and they're just surprised that people think it's the best one of all time but i think history has proven that it's a funny collection of gags but as that episode it really doesn't hold together oh yeah it's it's a hilarious episode but not uh, like the timeless one not even in my like top uh five of the season probably 
and that but that's also that season four is like so good but you and me bob we've both done our uh in our previous lives our fair share of listicles and you want to like oh, balance absolutely. You, you, it's all these like demands i uh, so i just read it with the thought of like oh the people putting this together were thinking like well what are we going to just be we can't be predictable we got to show that we watched episodes after the 10th season let's even surprise people and have like number 30 is the 2020 treehouse episode that that our, our pal julia prescott wrote which my uh, my issue with any of these lists is like in a top 30 my top 30 would would just be a collection of episodes from one through eight because as much as i like any episode at from season nine onward and i and i do like some there is no way i like them more than any 30 episodes from from uh, the first eight years you know yeah if you have to be honest with yourself, it's not just nostalgia. It's also the lightning in a bottle uh, of all those people together that could never be joined again. Yeah. And if, you know, even if you're a huge fan of the show, I can't see you liking a new one more than anything from seasons one through eight. Yeah. Yeah. And then on top of that, like they had Maud's death episode at number 18, which I thought was like, well, what are you talking about? You know? Yeah. That felt like a real stunt pick or yeah. a pick to get people to share the list, which sure. Why not? But mm-hmm. th- there's no way there's no way that should be on any top 30 but yeah i think uh, maybe we've helped with the dethroning of last exit to springfield on lists like this but uh, yeah if uh, you want to save yourself the click the top five are five is treehouse of horror four four is who saw mr burns part one three mr plow two marge versus monorail and one homer at the bat which i would not put homer at the bat at number one like it's it's the no it, i would accept yeah. I would accept that as a top five, maybe not in that order. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, for me, a two-shot Mr. Burns part one is number one, but that's 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 a a, a good top five. Yeah. Maybe something from season six should uh, squeeze in there outside of Who Shot Mr. Burns, but uh, still a pretty good pick. Yeah, yeah. For the top five, I think either Mr. Plow, Treehouse, or Who Shot Mr. Burns, like all or Monorail, all of those are acceptable number ones on most people's lists. Like I, and I think we've talked. You mean you have talked about this to death? But yeah, I I agree that if we, me and you were to make a list. I think Who Shot Mr. Burns uh, Part 1 is mm-hmm. number one. Yeah. You know, we talked about how uh, Last Exit is no longer the, you know, uh, unanimously decided number one episode. I think the times are changing also in that people aren't as mad about the Armin Tamzarian episode anymore. Yeah. I don't hear that discussion happening nearly as much. When that was, uh, when there were like maybe 15 episodes, uh, sorry, 15 seasons of the show, they were like, well, that's the one that killed the show. <laughs> I, and uh, I, don't, I really don't hear that as much. I still hear it, but not as much. I, I don't want to take too much credit we, for it, but I do think we helped change the dialogue on that i do <laughs> i think so we, we 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 had a good defense for uh, oakley and weinstein and ken keeler as well on our episode our yeah. live episode yes um so another news uh the website nme.com they tabulated what homer's medical bills would have been uh, in america of course because it's a hellish uh you know uh, health insurance industry we have here what they would have been over the course of 700 plus episodes and apparently he would uh, have owed 143 million i don't know if that's uh in like if, if he's subscribing to the bronze plan of obamacare <laughs> if he's got private insurance if he's got paying out of pocket i assume it'd be in the billions but that's just what their estimate was and i i guess in that case you assume that burns has good health insurance though you know just for one example in his triple bypass surgery episode he says they don't have health insurance because they gave it away for a pinball machine so so right. so honestly his bills would be higher and that's like 90s bills but uh i mean the show i i always appreciate when the show talks about how expensive uh, health insurance is people people need 
to know. Yes, even with a Doctorb with a B, <laughs> I assume Dr. Nick would be charging, uh, I don't know, 10K out of pocket compared to what it would be if you did it uh, through a legit uh, insurance company or whatever. Yes, yeah, I think. <laughs> though, you know, maybe it's, uh, it's like going to a barber school, though, and you get to get a free ha- haircut. Maybe Homer, Homer got it really cheap because of that. I mean, we've been talking a lot about COVID up front. Uh, apologies. We're, we're in the middle of the Omicron spike, if you're listening to this uh, in the future. But I, I did like the tweet, I believe, from the CDC that says, if you don't take the free vaccine, you'll have to pay lots of money at the hospital. Just like, yeah. wait a minute, is the problem people not taking the free vaccine? I see a bigger problem <laughs> that's just uh, being uh, shoved under the rug here. I couldn't but believe yes, that. Uh, yeah. Hospital stays are expensive. So get the vaccine. It's like, well, that won't make a hospital stay for a different thing not expensive. But yeah. I, what, I'm, yeah. what if I get vaccinated and get sick? Well, uh, too bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, we didn't say we'd give it to you for free. No, I God, this I I'm really getting sick of a uh, no no pun intended uh, about uh, that. It's just all on you. It's like, well, hey man, you, you know you can you're gonna die if you don't get vaccinated, and otherwise, fuck off. Like we don't care. Like we we did all we well, could. You know, it's a matter for the states now, so yep. they can figure it out. And that just was kick, ba- kick the ball further down the field. <laughs> that was bad when Trump said it. When Biden said it, it's you know it's very sober and and realistic. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. <sighs> just telling us uh, what we don't want to hear. Yep. Uh, so uh, let's move on to other things here uh, in, in non-American news. So uh, uh, Hong Kong and, and for their Disney Plus package, the episode from season 16, Gugu Gai Pan, has been banned from the service because of a Tiananmen Square joke. And uh, Republicans are having a lot of fun with this because we all know Republicans like protest against the government. Yep. They're a huge fan of that in general, and they get really mad when that's taken away. So in this case, they're extra mad. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like uh, obviously, this was late breaking news last time, and now in the in the year, in the the month since, we've seen some more reactions to it. It's like, yeah, I don't think Disney should, like, scrub that Simpsons episode from the Disney Plus that airs in Hong Kong and China. Like, that's wrong to me, but also, again, when I see the, what were all the places is uh reporting on it like foxbusiness.com was the was the most central uh, or centrist yes. <laughs> read on it i could find actually the second i clicked on the fox business link henry it started playing a video like oh iran is uh, ramping up nuclear weaponry and we're worried so yes that just tells you like hey if you're not scared about this be scared about this too i know it's like so that's why i mean again i don't like this like it's not good that an episode was censored for political reasons but i just i hate that you only hear about this out of like saber rattling about against you know just like red scare bullshit against china and i think it's dumb. I get annoyed at it too because I think that people who talk about China's human rights violations, like they don't, they don't give a shit about Americas, and it's almost honestly like brought up to just say like, "Hey, I know America's bad and all. I'm not saying it's great, but what China does, blah blah blah, like that is you covering for America and its war crimes." Like I just. So yeah. it, it's I don't like it, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's safe to say that everyone complaining about this in bad faith uh, really wants every American protester run over with a tank. Absolutely. They want that to be illegal. They'd flatten all of them. They'd put them in jail. Yeah, it's uh, they they don't. It's only because this is a thing that happened in an official enemy country, which like, you know, boohoo, like be mad, be mad at Disney that they're, you know, bowing to the business of, of another country then, I guess, instead of bowing to American business and our interests as they should. 
But obviously, as with uh, Stark Raving Dad, this thing has aired 9 million times uh, in multiple countries around the world for the past, I don't know, uh, let's say 17 years, I think. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wants to see it in Hong Kong, they probably can. Yeah. So I don't think Disney Plus is going to stop people from seeing this episode at all, which is an okay episode. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I I want Dana Gould to weigh in on this because Mm. it's his episode. It's autobiographical. I have not seen a quote from him on this yet. I'd like to see a, a snarky Dana Gould comment. Yeah. This, I mean, this is perfect for him, too, of like he can take easy like this is straight bullseye at Republicans. Like some of his best stuff is that uh, moving on. Uh, David Silverman, very busy making all this extra content for the show. Lots of shorts. The latest thing he is behind is a Simpson starring video for the performer Bad Bunny. And uh, I'm almost 40. I don't know who this is. <laughs> I was informed by this news item of uh, the video is for the song. Pardon my uh, improper uh, other language skills, but Te Deseo Lo Major. Uh, I don't know what that means in uh, Spanish, I take it, but uh, the video is about Homer being addicted to his phone, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Bad Bunny uh, heals the wounds between he and Marge. It's a sweet little video, you know, and it's also after plus anniversary. this one feels really nice, I think, and uh, yeah, uh, I'll be honest, I likely would not have heard of Bad Bunny either as an old man, uh, but I, uh, fortunately, this year, he did an entire thing at WrestleMania, so I know all about him. Uh. Yeah, he uh he he's a uh, a puerto rican american music star who uh, works a lot in the uh i believe trap genre of of music but is a very like sex positive guy who's trying to uh make it a lot more inclusive too but has has you know nice songs that you know you like chill out and vibe to and and i i didn't realize he you know was such a uh that he'd be into a simpsons crossover is that like this guy likes pro wrestling and the simpsons like i'm i'm more into this bad bunny guy by the minute and it, it does not use the uh, english language simpsons dub the actors that we know i don't know if there is a uh, puerto rican specific dub but it's a spanish language dub they're using those yeah. actors in that video yeah i did see gene uh when he thanked him on twitter it was i think it, based on the names he used i saw it was like it was the guy who's been homer a lot in spanish language dubs of simpsons but i believe the woman he named who was marge was actually the uh, the bart uh, dub when I, I googled it i could be wrong about this but the important thing is like if they wanted it to feel authentic to especially spanish-speaking simpsons fans then getting the uh the dub voice of the spanish language latin america version of simpsons was the right move Definitely, yeah. So check that out. It's on YouTube, as is everything. Yes. And moving on, other cartoon news. So Mike Judge and Greg Daniels are teaming up again for another cartoon. Unfortunately, it's not Portrait King of the Hill, but one day we will break them. Yes. Uh, this show is tentatively called Praise Petey. And the premise of the show, it's about a former New York City it girl moving to a small town to take over her dad's uh, waning cult. And apparently it's going to be a parody of, uh, based on the, 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 the summary, I took it as a parody of like girl boss culture and corporate feminism that's what it felt like because mm-hmm. they use the phrase lean in in a cheeky way so I like the I sound that's of what that. the, it's going to be about yeah yeah, yeah I, I mean i want him to make more king of the hill i mean we're, we're doing more king of the hill by the way because now it's a monthly series and it's like god i love this show so much it could come back and be perfect mm-hmm. but uh yeah mike judge is really busy he's also that new beavis and butthead show is still in production yeah all these yeah. things were that were announced uh at the beginning of the pandemic or right before like 
new uh, Tiny Toons, new Beavis and Butthead, new Ren and Stimpy. It's all still being produced. That's right. And it's I, probably going to come out next year. I forgot about that new Tiny Toons until somebody in my feed tweeted out like, hey, we're still hiring for your uh, Tiny Toons. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. But no, I mean, I, they- I forgot about the new Ren and Stimpy until somebody on my feed, uh, they posted their contract for the show and said like, yeah, I'm writing for the new Ren and Stimpy. So oh, wow. that's still happening <laughs> I, without, without John K. Without John K. Yes. Yes. Obviously. He's, he's completely out of it. But judging Dan Daniels uh, getting back together for and selling a new show is really exciting to me, and especially because like it does sound I you know they both understand corporate the evils of corporate culture so much, but they the girl boss culture and corporate feminism didn't exist as much back then, and this gives them new territory to deal with, which is like a thing to mock with girl bossery that uh, is just that it it took it took a good thing which is feminism and get you know equality and turned it into like yeah equality is your awful manager who treats you like shit can be a woman and like yes. yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah it's like turning feminism into like hr culture or something like that yes yeah which is uh worth skewering i think i look forward to i i haven't seen anything from daniels or judge that makes me think like oh these guys really lost a step or they're too old or whatever you know i think they they, they still seem good May, maybe praise pd will suck i don't know but i i i'm I given him the benefit of the doubt yeah and uh like i said judge is busy and i'm hoping it will be good but uh again more king of the hill i can see this happening everything yeah. has to come back and so does king of the hill yep, yep. It, it just it's, it's in the stars <laughs> uh so moving on we have uh so henry and i can take full credit for this for uh being little whiners online <laughs> but uh the cowboy bebop show on netflix is dead yeah even though seemingly everyone watched it to make fun of it which i mean they're never public with their ratings they just say oh squid game is the most popular thing i've reviewed and we don't actually see the numbers really mm-hmm. uh, or they can just you know, pass off whatever they have as numbers but uh, i guess uh, too much bad publicity for this and uh it's not coming back for season two as it stands there's 10 hours of this if you like it that's quite a bit of content for a show nobody liked yeah that's i mean that's technically i think that's more hours of content than the original season of cowboy bebop not counting the movie but i think just the those 26 22 minute episodes is probably less than the 10 hours those shows lasted i i mean yeah the show was like its own worst enemy me like it honestly the people like i didn't particularly like what i watched we talked about that but like it was really its pr campaign was awful like all of those side-by-side pictures to try to entice you like see we really get this like it just made it look i think twice as bad as it actually was and then on top of that i mean the worst move they did uh that act i I don't want to blame the actor they were given awful stuff all these there's lots of great actors in this who were given awful things to do but the poor actor who was given ed for that one scene that was the post like the post credit sting of like stay tuned for more that then the second that got shared it was like i think that killed the series to be honest like yeah they should have they should have put like some sort of uh, copy protection on that scene only just yeah. like if you try to share it your computer shuts down or something but that, i mean some things just don't work in live action uh and there's a reason why this show came into uh inception originally as an animated show and uh, i think unfortunately the takeaway from this from the suits is going to be yeah who cares about anime nobody likes this mm-hmm. which will give more time uh, give more resources to like g kids or whatever to scoop up everything and release everything <laughs> i don't think netflix will still fund things but i don't think they're going to be going whole hog on another project like this for a long time i mean this looks so expensive and then on top of that they had like i think it probably 
took him twice as long to make the season as they planned because John Cho injured himself and then COVID shut it down. And so I would bet this didn't, uh, this was not a cheap show either, but yeah. And then everybody just dunks on it on Twitter, including us. Like, but I felt, I did feel it was deserved. It wasn't, oh God, I think I was thinking about why did everybody turn on Whedon-esque dialogue now that like, there's so many lines that people were making fun of in this show and, and deservedly show so that I don't think would have been made fun of like five years ago. And I, I think the culprit is Whedon himself, every story on him in the last six years of like, this guy's an asshole like every single one and especially there was uh when people were talking about how like oh when i worked on buffy with him he was either a creep to women or just a dick to you and i think that on set he thought he was really funny and sarcastic saying his whedon style things to other actors but everybody else like that shit wasn't funny it hurt my feelings but he was the boss and we all just had to take it yeah everyone had to be nice to him and he just came away with the wrong impression like oh everybody likes me yeah and so then, I'll, I'll, I'll amp up my dickishness so then when you hear somebody talk like a whedon character i think for me if you're somebody who paid it like was reading all the articles about like oh the buffy set was awful angel he fired this girl because this actress because she got pregnant and he was an asshole it's just like oh i don't like hearing dialogue that reminds me of all those horrible stories i read about what a bad guy mm. joss whedon was yeah and it's also not good dialogue to begin with also uh, just bad the little the magic trick is over yes uh yeah. we we've heard enough of it but uh in our last news item this is related to uh this month uh Jan- sorry december's uh what a cartoon movie millennium actress the uh the anime screenwriter uh keiko nobumoto passed away at 57 in december uh behind such titles as uh, macross plus cowboy bebop and tokyo godfathers uh just an amazing uh like history with writing for anime and for video games i think she had a large contribution to the first kingdom hearts as well Oh, yeah, yeah. No, she she was uh, so underappreciated as a writer. I mean, you know, uh, the writers don't get interviewed as much in uh in you know retrospectives about anime like it really much more is about you know character designers uh, singular animators or the series director the chief director and 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 also when after she passed i was trying to find like interviews with nobumoto uh, they're they're kind of rare the most i could find was uh in 2018 she along with a bunch of other people who worked on the original series came to new york comic-con for a 20th anniversary panel and she talked a little bit but but didn't talk too much so it, it makes me sad now we didn't get to hear as much from her there's a great bit in the if you look up people uploaded the whole panel and there's a funny bit where she talked about how like she grew up watching american stuff in japan like bewitched in sesame street and now she thinks it's so cool seeing all uh, how much americans liked the thing she wrote and uh, so that was that was a sweet thing i i also was thinking about it with relation to the cowboy bebop netflix show because i think there was some perception that the original cowboy bebop show might have been like sexist and they needed to fix stuff in the netflix show to to deal with that and i was like the lead writer on this show was a woman like i just i feel yeah. like it erases her a little bit with with feelings like i don't know it, it just I, I'm, I'm more okay with the uh, things being horny than i used to be because now i see 
see what taking that away can do. Yes, uh, yeah. and it takes away a lot of the flavor. But uh, that's not that's not true for everything. But with Cowboy Bebop, I just it just felt so like watered down based on what I saw, based on the hour. See, I see. I didn't watch a second of the, the TV show. I did watch an hour long review of it. That qualifies me to talk about it. I swear. No, I mean I watched I watched the first episode and in several reviews and like I mean talk about that girl boss thing. Like they turned Julia into a girl boss. Like instead of I mean yes she does she gets fridged in the original series but in this series the twist is like at the end of the season oh actually spoiler alerts she takes over the syndicate and she's uh she actually takes she's maybe more evil than vicious and blah. i was like eh, mm. eh, black. i don't care much for that no but yes that was our collection of news about the simpsons and related shows now let's move on to sh- uh, news about ourselves so our Talking Simpsons schedule this month is going to be, we're starting off the year by taking, uh, basically taking the first week of the year off on the Patreon side. Uh, on the free feed, I believe it's the next week of the year. Uh, so we're starting off with uh, giving everybody Shrek, the What a Cartoon movie for Shrek. Uh, we did that in April of 2021. We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, spoilers, we don't like Shrek. We had fun <laughs> talking about it. And of course, uh, talking about the villain of What a Cartoon, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Both oh, yeah. both the villain and a hero. He's sort of the, the, the Walter White of our podcast. <laughs> He's just as cool too and bald yeah. yes <laughs> imitate everything he does mm. and then after that we have uh, new content of course episodes on more of the simpsons uh children of a lesser clod and then talk to the audience and then three men in a comic book uh kicks off february with a very special guest we recorded that episode i think possibly in october yes yeah. i think it was a long long time ago i i wonder what the the uh, our guest has gone through a couple jobs since then and an injury so i hope uh his his leg could be healed by then when it finally comes out but just just as a tease for who might the i think some people might be able to figure it out from that but i look forward to I it i think so but <laughs> a, little, a little bit of spoilers for you up front there but uh yeah so moving on the january schedule for what a cartoon again we're kicking off our our new what a cartoon schedule but we're taking the first week off so uh you're going to get uh, shrek of course for free on the talking simpsons feed and also on the what a cartoon feed you'll get the talk king of the hill episode on manger babies that's our uh our, our kind of free content for you that we just take a week off at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and so our other new content in february is or sorry january don't i want to get ahead of myself here other new content is going to be week two of january for patrons is going to be the uh talking futurama episode bending in the wind with uh, special guest host nina masamoto a big beck fan and we also have on the last friday of the month uh snow job the king of the hill episode uh so we're starting off king of the hill year uh sorry monthly uh, throughout 2022 and uh, we normally would do one new what a cartoon a month but this month we're taking that week off but yeah now february will kick off with one new what a cartoon episode and of course the what a cartoon movie for january is going to be lion king 2 simba's pride a very different movie from <laughs> millennium actress yeah it's a pretty hard turn for millennium actress but yeah we're so yeah I, we're uh this first month of the year uh what no no what a cartoon we needed to take the week off on that too but uh but yeah you're getting uh, it, on the free feed you're getting the talking in the hill for for manger babies which you know takes place during january and super bowl week so you know it's uh, it's well timed as well it's relevant yeah yes and if you're a patron of course uh you'll also you'll get uh, talking for trauma as well so if you're a patron you get all of the advanced content and also two patreon exclusive episodes every month mm-hmm. for futurama and king of the hill 
Hill. So it's a good bang for your $5. And uh, moving on, we have the February What a Cartoon Movie poll. It will be uh, movie adaptations of things we've covered on What a Cartoon. And those are going to be things you might have not voted on before, but might this time, mm-hmm. like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, colon, movie film for theaters. The Batman Superman movie, World's Finest, Sailor Moon R, the movie, Promise of the Rose, and South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Mm-hmm. So I I can't really I can't really assume what's going to win. Normally there's one in my mind I can think, well, that's the obvious winner, but this time it feels like a real mix up. Yeah, you know, I uh, if I had to bet on one, I think I'd it's it's tough because I think after all our Batman talk, I think people would love to hear another Batman one and us doing the the crossover movie would be a lot of fun. But then again, uh, lots of folks liked when we did south park so i feel like there's a lot of energy for south park as well uh meanwhile that could be the dark horse and and aqua teen that'd be a fun one to suffer through i think a little bit or just what a weird (laughs) one to go minute by minute through i think uh yes i I was happy to see that in theaters but yeah that is everything on our schedule for january and uh yes that poll will be live very soon if you're listening to this on patreon or if you're on the free feed it is live now on the patreon so vote for aqua teen batman superman sailor moon r or the south park movie whichever floats your boat and uh, we'll be doing that at the end of february now it's time to move on to what we've been playing and watching outside of the podcast and i will say uh, buckle in it's going to be a long <laughs> ride because uh, we've had a lot of free time on our hands uh, as for me, not as much gaming because I've been very busy uh, hanging out here in Canada with my wife, watching lots of things. But I finished The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles uh, after 94 hours. That's what Ooh. my Switch uh, yearly recount told me because it's two games. They're both very long. There are still some extras on the collection I want to check out, but uh, heartily recommended, even though it took me three entire months of my gaming life <laughs> to get to the end. It was uh, quite a fun experience. Uh, also, before I left, I was still chipping away at Arkham Origins. I'm still enjoying that. Uh, playing lots of Pikmin Bloom in Vancouver, mm. getting new postcards, uh, getting lots of steps. Unfortunately, I will have to send my Pikmin to Vancouver when I come back to, to, for them to get their little <laughs> outfits. So that will take about nine days, but I'm, I'm ready for that. I just went through that with all my Disneyland uh, Pikmin as well. And, uh, and yeah, I've, it's been fun sending sending postcards back and forth to each other. I like seeing all of the, uh, the Vancouver landmarks. There was one that even was called like Gilbert's Park or something you guys sent yeah, me. Yeah, which... we both sent you that to troll you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, before I left, I also, the Sam and Max uh, remastered second season came out. Uh, they do a very good job remastering those. So I played the first episode of that because it is Christmas themed. Oh. And the weird thing I did is I have all these new games waiting for me to play them. They can't wait for me to, uh, you know, touch them and, and push their buttons. But just like last year, so last year, instead of playing any new games like Hades or whatever, I played through Dark Souls again. <laughs> this year, I started a new game of Breath of the Wild because I am an insane person. That is crazy. And I'll tell you what, it, I have I have my reasons. When that game came out in 2017, spring of 2017, it was probably the one of the worst times of my adult life. Uh, everything was going wrong in every possible category of my life, job, personal life, everything. Uh, I don't think I, I let that uh, you know out on the air, of course, but it was a bad time. And because of that, I just uh, nothing, nothing was fun. Yes. And uh, then we started a Patreon that year and everything got better. And I met Nina and everything. But I wanted to play the game 
and actually finish the game when I'm in a much better headspace. And this time I am, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. And hey, you guys heard about this game? Breath of the Wild's pretty fun. <laughs> the sequel should and, actually be this year, so <laughs> you're getting I'm ready hoping for, for that. I'm hoping I can just roll right into that. But yeah, it's kind of fun to start the game. I mean, we've all, we've all talked about this game for five years, but it's kind of fun to start the game with all the DLC already there. Oh, yeah. Which was not my experience last time. I, I played about 50 hours last time for Wii U and never finished it, but it was on sale for Switch uh, before I left. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a try. It'll be fun to mess around with, and I'm like really into it. So again, Hades, I'll see you in 2023, probably. <laughs> you you haven't <laughs> really played much of you. You saying that, that it was five years, I can't believe it, but March will be five years. I just, yeah, I'm, and it on Breath of the Wild also for me is unfortunately connected to uh, us at the worst time in that shitty job. And I think about having to try to make, uh, actually, when I think of Breath of the Wild, I think of how all the unappreciated work both me and you were doing behind the scenes just to get an early copy of that fucking game that the, yeah. our dumb bosses didn't care how they obviously because they didn't run a video game website before they didn't know how impossible it is to get on the nintendo list if you're not a real website you know like ugh, black. yeah i do associate it with a lot of that pain it was one of the last games i covered in the press uh, at a very bad website where we were both having a very bad time which is why we left yes. to uh, do this which turned out great <laughs> but yeah i just uh, that was just the darkest time of my adult life i think and it's good to play that like oh i'm happy now and uh this game is lots of fun it's not just like nothing will make me happy <laughs> not even blowing up bombs <laughs> so uh yeah I, i'm really having fun with that and, and you know I, I think i'll beat it this time mm. and as for watching so uh, we both have to be selective with what we're talking about for this because we both have seen a lot of shit and I will say I've been to the theater like eight times now before you gasp and your monocles fly across the room <laughs> it's it's pretty safe in Vancouver it has been getting a less a little bit less safe for the past few days but everywhere in Vancouver you have to be uh, vaccinated to get in they check everything I've had to bring my passport and my vaccine card everywhere it's been very safe everyone is masked up for the most part it's it's a they everyone's following the rules so I've been to the theater a ton seeing a ton of uh, new and old movies I know Henry released a podcast about this without me with his new best friend <laughs> Matt McMuscles uh, but yes I also I saw Spider-Man No Way Home <laughs> And my review is uh, movie enjoyed by all, which was my experience. And yes, it wasn't made for me. I understand that. I thought it was a cake made of pure frosting. And I want to know what people will think about it a month or even a year later. I really want to know because it feels like it's one of those movies designed for you to not think too much about it, to be wowed in the moment. And I really want to see, not to be proven right or anything, you know, just an intellectual exercise, but mm. I really want to see what people think about it years down the line, because there's a lot of things I thought were cool ideas, but they were not really executed well. No spoilers or anything, but there's cer certain elements of like different universes and even kind of the idea of time travel where I at least expect a back to the future level execution. And it left me with too many questions. Mm. Uh, again, yes. I won't spoil anything here, but um, yeah, not for me. Also, I don't think it's for Spider-Man fans. I think it's for people who saw five of the most popular movies ever made. I think that's who the movie's for. Well, okay, so look. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. As as a Spider-Man fan, I who predates the movies, like this is just about celebrating the movies that everybody saw. Right. But right. Uh, but yeah, I think uh it's it's about different eras of Spider-Man and celebrating them and it has shown me how people can unite across fandoms like it was in the theater. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil either but yeah in the in the theater i could hear i could hear younger people cheering for some moments i could hear older people cheering for other moments i could hear men cheering for some moments more than women
women and vice versa like it was it was a fun just litmus test of like but but yes you're you're right bob it is like such an event movie or dare i say a theme park ride uh that yes well did scorsese jump on this call what's going on here (laughs) but i like theme park rides but but yeah you're right when you go back to it it's like i had the same reaction uh actually very positive to seeing endgame avengers endgame in theaters and now whenever i've gone back to endgame i have watched like an hour of it parsed out because i'm just like i there's some parts of it i just love and there's other parts i'm like i don't need to watch this scene again that sets up the cool fireworks I, i'll just cut to the fireworks you know but i i stand by what i said in in the spoiler cast about it i, I still really enjoyed it though yeah uh, not to go on too long about this but uh we, we also watched batman returns again just for fun we just put it on on a whim and we we're like oh I, I can't stop watching this and i'm like oh yeah this is my favorite superhero movie <laughs> and i want to go back to letting demented little freaks mm-hmm. direct superhero movies where there's no like um i mean it'll never happen again but there's n- nothing is like really focus grouped it's not like what the algorithm them wants it's like what, what's this little weirdo want to do let's let him do whatever he wants and we know that like marvel doesn't like that most big you know movie studios don't want that anymore yeah. really and and it's horny i mean like there's there's like one kiss in no way home and uh and some people are like hot for aunt may but that's about it uh, meanwhile in this like in batman returns because like, i actually watched it over the break too in batman oh, awesome. returns, awesome. i forget I forget that it's like they're just grinding on each other. Like this is like third base happening on screen in the movie. And it's a it's a great Christmas movie. And again, my mom took me to see that when I was ten, and she did not object to any of the content. So my yeah. mom is cool. <laughs> and I guess I should mention this uh, because it was a very similar movie. Uh, we could talk about because I know you saw it too, Henry. I saw Matrix Resurrections. All right. And, uh, yeah. I, I I know. Okay. So I don't want to take this away from anybody uh, their enjoyment because I know a lot of trans people find a lot of personal meaning in this and queer people as well i'm not either one of those identities i did not like it i i kind of you know like with this and with spider-man and ghostbusters and even evangelion and i've tweeted about this uh you know over the week i i'm just kind of sick of movies being about themselves and about fandom i just want movies to be a movie on its own and it feels like uh no spoilers but with both spider-man and the matrix it was like the entire thing was all about setting up a status quo to make more movies that aren't dependent on anything mm-hmm. that's what i took it to be and i don't like that i have to watch that process i just want to see <laughs> the the movie that can exist on its own and i know that's not the way movies are anymore maybe i'm i'm getting old but i i didn't like it and uh i i'm, I'm sorry if that offends anybody out there i know a lot of people really like it but uh, some of the things were fun to watch in IMAX. It was the first movie I've ever seen in IMAX oh. in my life. Never done it before. So, you know, yeah, of course, the action scenes were great. And, and there were some fun ideas in there. Uh, I liked some of the setup of the movie that really, again, no spoilers. But what the movie they're setting up doesn't really happen. And I didn't like that. So, uh, well, uh, I, yeah. I'm not a Matrix fanboy. I love the first movie. Didn't care for the sequels. But uh, uh, and again, me saying this won't make it won't stop it from being the number one movie of all time like <laughs> spider-man so uh i'm not taking i'm not trying to drag it down or anything but those are my thoughts on matrix resurrections which i know you've seen twice henry uh me Ma- i mean matrix resurrections like its box office is not good like it did and probably because it's all in hbo max but also maybe maybe everybody overestimated how much uh, the regular mainstream america wanted to see more matrix i think i think a lot of people are done with it i but i did love it i'll i i think spider-man really is like you said a cake made of frosting 
I think Matrix is much more about like Lana Wachowski dealing with like, uh, honestly, I compared it to Evangelion a bunch, but it really is like, feels like uh, Lana Wachowski dealing with her reaction to making it. And it is just so insular and inside and just like a dialogue with yourself, which is what I love. It's what I love about Evangelion. It's why I loved uh, Rebuild 3.0 plus 1.0. And uh, they came out in the same year and both come to very similar points was very interesting to me. And uh, I just, I wish they, I really wish Lawrence Fishburne and also Hugo Weaving were in it. Like it was really missing a few key people that I don't understand why they're not in it. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, uh, this, I don't think this is a spoiler, but a lot of the sentiment in the, in the first act is like, are we really doing another Matrix? Are we really doing this? And Mm -hmm. that could be a fun exploration, but I'm kind of tired of it. And uh, yeah, you're getting paid millions to make this and I'm also paying $20 to see it. Uh I don't need to see you like go through therapy uh, about this idea. I just want to literally go through therapy about it in the movie. And uh, I mean, facetiously, I tweeted the move. The moral of the movie is uh, therapy is evil and don't take your meds, which (laughs) I I, I won't be surprised if a lot of people take that message from the movie. It felt kind of irresponsible, although, you know, obviously that wasn't my reading, but I could see like walking out of it. And I I just thought like a lot of people are going to take this the wrong way. Mm -hmm. Um, No spoilers, of course. Yeah, no. uh, And well, what did you think that there was a there's uh, like Jeff Gersman is kind of in the movie <laughs> there's not really but there's oh yeah there's one guy in the movie that like well, that guy feels like he's Jeff Gersman doing his gamer bro character in this movie it's very and of course the game awards are featured in the movie as well which uh, I, right. I I wasn't I mean, a fan of that having worked in the industry and uh, been around those people I like the send up of those types yeah. especially like you know Silicon Valley game bros that was all very funny to me I don't know if it, that was really for anyone else in the audience but that's the part I enjoyed the most that that kind of setup because I loathe those people <laughs> and also we could just point it like I know that place I know that hotel I like I seriously yes. think there's a fight in a hotel that I've taken more than one game uh, preview appointment in in the, in the movie and I think in 2020 right before the pandemic everyone we knew in the city was saying oh they're filming Matrix 4 here look at all these photos yep yeah my my so, husband was right across the street from the if you see the noodle shop that's featured in uh, the uh, the long montage of time passing that's in the first 30 minutes of the movie and Keanu Reeves is filmed in a noodle shop eating noodles that was across the street from where my husband worked at the time yeah I know did he get injured or was that somebody else no 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 to my understanding there were no injuries on it I I don't remember hearing about injuries on Matrix okay Uh, so enough Matrix talk I mean I know you'll have more your own thoughts Henry if you have any more but it was funny that I saw Dune uh, you know it's on its way out of theaters it's not an IMAX anymore uh, Nina wanted to see it I was kind of interested but I was worried is this going to be like really dry and long and full of all these proper nouns and hard to figure out because I mean the lore of Dune is very dense I really really like Dune and it's weird that it felt like more of a real movie to me than Spider-Man or Matrix even though Dune is a genre movie based on a famous sci-fi book and it's part one of two it felt like more of a real movie which is a, a strange feeling but I, I have to really recommend it I know is this still on HBO Max uh, you know I think it's cycled back around to be on HBO Max now I think or if not okay. yet uh, it will be soon 
I, I really liked it, and we watched the David Lynch Doom, which is a, a fun mess. It's, I mean, it's it's bad, but it's also a fun watch if you just want to watch it once. And I think I'm going to actually read Dune when I get back uh, to the to the states. So uh, I'm I'm a Dune head now. <laughs> That's uh, yeah, I I I liked it. You're you're right that it feels more like it's certainly more of a movie than No Way Home. And also, like I do think one thing that will look bad on No Way Home in the future when I think Dune, you can look too closely at it and see like, oh, but they filmed this on a real set, or this looks really smooth. And I do think there's going to be a lot of times uh, when people have a home version of Spider-Man No Way Home and say like, oh, that is the green screeniest shot of all time. None of these people were near each other. We're, we're even in there in the same week. We're going to see a lot a lot of free, a fun freeze frames, I think, of that movie. Yes, yeah. So I saw a ton of uh, Christmas movies in a theater at the Great Rio Theater in Vancouver. I love that theater. But uh, so I saw Tokyo Godfathers, uh, a great Christmas movie. We've talked about it before. I, I assume it'll be a water cartoon movie in the future. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, of course, in theaters. The first time I'd seen it in theaters since the first time I saw it in 1993. So that was a fun experience. It was fun to see it that huge, you know, just looking in the background, seeing what every character is doing. It's my favorite thing to do with that movie because there's so much thought put into every little action in the movie. Oh, that's so cool. And I also saw uh, on Christmas Eve, just like in 2019, I saw It's a Wonderful Life. And the best thing about it was it was a snowy Christmas Eve and it was a white Christmas. So mm. it was the perfect like uh, mood to see the movie <laughs> in. And again, it was great. We both loved the movie. Uh, fantastic time to see it. And we had sushi dinner afterwards which is what uh, the trend that we started in 2019 hopefully it will continue to the future uh, i wanted to run down the street like george bailey you know get into a car accident punch a cop all the fun things he did on that snowy night <laughs> and i also saw uh, again this is going to be a lot of movie talk uh i'm trying to keep it brief here but i saw the princess bride for the first time I never saw it before uh now i know all the references although i kind of knew them before and i think oh it's a fun movie with gentle humor that kind of falls apart in the third act but you know what it's 90 minutes after seeing a lot of two and a half hour movies i was like I welcome this and uh, weirdly enough it's kind of a christmas movie because in the background in like fred savage's little room there there's like christmas decorations whoa. up and there's like snow and lights outside the window i assume it was released around christmas but absolutely nothing in the movie has to do with christmas outside of like things you see in his room wow i never noticed that man that's uh no i that's crazy to me as a child of the 80s because like yeah we uh, princess bride was one of those taped off hbo watch it 800 times movies and of course as a kid i loved anything with sword fights in it because i i was a lightsaber fanboy so i uh i would watch just the sword fight scenes over and over again uh so other stuff i'm going to speed through this here agretzko season four came out we watched that over the course of a few days i think it was fun maybe getting a little too cartoony for me i hope they pull back on that but it was a fun exploration of the character of haida who i like uh, although i wish we learned more about his like internal monologue and what he was thinking but it was a fun season and not everything is back to status quo, which is interesting. I want to see what they do in mm. season five, which uh, is is greenlit because I think the the show ends with like season five is coming or something like that. Some some little message letting you know it's not over yet. Oh, OK, I, I haven't given that a watch yet. So I, uh, I'll, I you should I, watch like, it, Henry. OK, I, I and finish season three. I no, I did watch all of season three. I did watch season. Okay, three. I wasn't yeah. sure if you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's good. See, season four is really good. Other things I watched: Home Alone one and two. I saw Home Alone one maybe like in 2013 again, but uh, we hate movies did a podcast about it, so Nina and I watched that again. We also watched uh, Home Alone two, which I had not seen until uh, the last time I saw it was on VHS, like in 1993. So first rewatch of that movie. It is the most cynical movie ever made, <laughs> uh, but it's still kind of fun for the 90s quality and the 90s New York quality of it all. But obviously a much 
much weaker movie. Glad they ended it there, but uh, it's it's a fun uh, bad movie as well. Although it's a, a huge step down from the first one, but I'm surprised it's as good as it is. I I haven't watched two since childhood. I saw it in theaters, and I haven't watched two since. So I I did watch one over the holidays as well, and it still it still holds up. I still still cry. Well, I, I guess I also it probably helped that I watched it sitting next to my mom, and so probably mm. probably helped with the waterworks flowing. This is not this is not a Home Alone two podcast, but it feels like it's a very focused group. They they ask kids like, "What do you want to see in Home Alone 2? All these nineties <laughs> kids, and so it's mostly Macaulay Culkin. Like, there's very little what's Catherine O'Hara up to moments in the movie, mm. and obviously, I think the kids wanted more of like the the trap hijinks. And uh, honestly, you know, when you watch Home Alone one, the trap hijinks, you're surprised like, "Well, that was pretty brief, and it doesn't happen until the end of the movie." I think it goes on too long and too to the point where it feels sadistic, where <laughs> Kevin isn't even like li- making little wisecracks and having them chase him around they're just kind of trapped in different rooms injuring themselves for 20 minutes and uh, it's not a lot of fun it gets, it gets pretty sadistic and brutal it becomes saw at a certain point it really does become saw and i like the point where uh joe pesci is just about to shoot kevin in the head that's wow. what it comes down to this ends tonight oh wow man so, i forgot uh, that yeah. part <laughs> I forgot about that, too. Uh, so other things. Finally, I'm wrapping this up. Uh, thanks for sticking with me, everybody, through my very... I watched 15 movies in 15 days. So <laughs> also watched... Uh, we're big Christmas Carol heads over here. We watched three adaptations. We watched two last year. So uh, we watched the 1984 version with George C. Scott. Very good version. Hits all the beats you expected to. He's a great Scrooge. We watched the 1999 ep- uh, sorry adaptation with uh, Patrick Stewart. It's the cheesiest thing you've ever seen. It's made for TNT with some really bad effects. <laughs> Stewart is too old, is too young and handsome to be Scrooge, but it's still fun to watch him because apparently he was doing a uh, Christmas Carol one-man show where oh. he played every character for a few years. Oh, so wow. I think like Christmas Carol is really is really personal to him. Okay, that's uh, I, that one I never watched because I figured it. Uh, I just didn't. It seemed too low rent a TV movie for it, even though I'm a, I'm a Carol I'm a Carol head as well. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun to watch and it's pretty easy to watch for free. And also we watched uh, Scrooge, the Bill Murray adaptation of Christmas Carol. It's fun. It's really messy. There's good performances in it. But the third act is just a mess. And it ends with this insane uh, improvised ramp by uh, Bill Murray that doesn't make any sense and doesn't really you close the movie in a satisfying way. But they just let him do it because he was Bill Murray. That felt like a mistake to me. And uh, other moments are fun, but uh, yeah, it just, it really falls apart at the end. You know, I talked about that. I haven't watched that one in a few years, but I, uh, Dave Schilling, previous guest on this uh, show, he had a whole Twitter thread about Scrooge and how he like loves it, but it's also a giant mess and how he talks about how he had read the original script for it and says it had much more of the stuff about him being like raised by TV and how family stuff in it. And he's, uh, Schilling told me like, Oh, yeah, they, they just had to cut a lot of that to make room for Bill Murray goofing around. You know, Murray Murray had taken three years off of movies after uh, The World According to Garp, I think it was. And then he's like, OK, now I'm back. I'm going to be a big blockbuster comedy guy again. So I'm doing whatever the fuck I feel like. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, he's fun to watch, but obviously uh, he would do much better stuff after that. Like, what about Bob and Groundhog Day and things like that? But, oh, yeah. you know, it's it's fun to watch. Really cool makeup. I like the uh, the Bob Marley style character, just the corpse that uh, does the classic cartoon gag of drinking something and then the the, the booze flies out yeah. of his body through little holes to see that fit and it answered the question i had as a kid about christmas carol stuff of like well what's under that cloak and it's it's scary as hell to a, like a seven-year-old yeah 
fun fun little demon puppets but again thanks for sticking with me i rarely watch this much stuff i usually play more games but it was a fun uh a fun two weeks so far of sitting on my ass and, and absorbing content it's, so henry you're up next it's nice to just let the content flow through you at, at, and, and not uh, do a podcast about it until until now until this moment now <laughs> yes well now it's all paying off everything uh, is homework so i also played a lot of pikmin bloom uh and the big thing though i played this month was shimigami tensei 5 i am 60 hours into it and i think i've got 30 more hours ahead of me uh and it's it's great it's if you like this uh smt world like this is really good for it especially if you're if you're more into the hardcore side of it uh of the coin and not the some smt fans will be mad i'll even compare it to persona but it is it if you like persona but want a little more hardcore version of it uh that's also a bit darker then i think smt5 is is a good one and it's like it's a switch exclusive there's this year was such a good year for switch games man uh i totally forgot about that some people were saying there was like a it's a week's year for switch games but monster hunter that was that's a switch exclusive for like nine months of the year no smt5 bowser's fury the ace attorney games you played like yeah i mean was there was there an animal crossing this year no but like there can't be an animal crossing and they had a huge update for animal crossing so you know and i also played because it was free is with game pass well i guess not free uh but halo infinite i did the first few hours of its campaign and i was like yeah it's halo it's halo you know it's uh it really thinks that people gave a shit about halo 5 because it just picks up of like wait <laughs> no 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 you got to give me some explanation but halo refuses to and and actually though my uh when i was playing it my husband was like you never play destiny 2 you need to start playing that if you if you miss playing halo oh, you Lord. should be playing destiny not halo <laughs> you know what destiny 2 is fine i played like 60 hours of it i wasn't that addicted to it but it's like it's far as uh gunplay mechanics go it's the most polished thing you'll ever play in that in that genre yeah that's that's i did play a few minutes of destiny and i was like oh yeah this this is better to me than halo infinite even though i do like that grapple hook in halo infinite but uh uh and yeah i also been dancing it up in just dance including uh the ch- ch- very childish jingle bells <laughs> i was just like i'll play every christmas song in this thing and even the ones made for babies uh, um <laughs> but uh, as for watching boy did i do a lot of watching as well i'm gonna try to speed through this as much as possible uh but tv shows still going through sopranos best show ever blah 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 i say it every month <laughs> but the new season of what we do in the shadows so good so good the best season yet uh every actor in it is the greatest and it got gayer like it is a gayer show every character in it is by and fucks everything like and is that is that season four because i think i watched the first two before uh, falling off and not realizing they made more no just season three it's it's the third season okay cool you're only one season behind and and it's great and and yeah the uh i love the show and uh also jojo's bizarre adventure part six that's on netflix uh great first season or first set of episodes 12 episodes i still wish it was weekly i miss having the weekly conversations about it on twitter instead of just no one's talking about it anymore because it dropped and everybody watched it in a weekend and so the discourse is over on it which is a bummer but but speaking of netflix shows 
I can't shut up about this because I feel like I'm the only person who's talking about it. <laughs> but it is Saturday morning, all-star hits or smash. Now, look, if you see the trailer for it, you might think, what is this, just robot chicken? Just more of this, like, I remember the 90s cartoons. That isn't what it is. I promise you, it has so much more to say than just, look at this funny parody of Denver the Last Dinosaur or Care Bears. So much more to it. But yes, if you were... A child like me and Bob, if you listen to our podcast about cartoon all-stars to the rescue or like, I remember every second of this in the event that it was, this is the show for you. It is made for you. Previous guest Scott Gardner was an executive producer on it. It's so right, yeah. funny. It's great. Uh, I feel like it's me and Maddie Cop, the only two people I see on Twitter saying this show rules. <laughs> Everybody should be watching it. Uh, it's, it's 10 whole episodes. Kyle Mooney is the star of it. He plays like 17 characters in it. If you liked what we made fun of bobby's world you will not see a better sketch parodying bobby's world than oh. on this smash show i'm i promise i you. know it's made for me i just haven't had time to watch it like a, a series while i've been here it's no. been more movies but uh, probably when i get back i'll give it a chance and if it looks cool and i trust scott garner yes no it's it's really great and i guess also i'm just after seeing how um netflix was just like no more cowboy bebop just slashed his throat immediately i feel like i feel like if i can't get people to watch it in the first month the show will never be renewed i i don't uh, mm. uh but okay also great comedy show uh hey who here has peacock uh, i i do because i'm an xfinity guy mcgruber amazing season well it worth the 10 years of wait i love mcgruber and it's a great comeback series and set during christmas so it's a christmas series too uh it's so, That's so I, I mean uh i hate when things are exclusive to peacock because who cares but yeah. I haven't seen anyone tweeting about it, and I think that's why. I, yeah. I think I've seen one tweet, and it made me realize, like, oh, that's out? Okay, uh, I guess it's on Peacock. I know. It's it's just one step above that season of Mad About You that nobody knew happened either. <laughs> oh, the Crackle season? Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, I think it was Crackle. Uh, McGruber is ever so slightly more famous on Peacock, but yeah, it's it's the funniest shit. Uh, will Forte is the funniest guy. You will see his ass quite a lot, so yeah, I'm preparing you for that. If you don't, if you're like i don't know if i want to see will forte's ass well then mcgruber is not the show for you but uh and as i was assigned by disney i did watch hawkeye it's good it was good i like hawkeye maybe it was my favorite of the it's the first time i have ever liked jeremy renner's hawkeye so it, it succeeded in that uh and if you haven't been spoiled on it yet there's some cool stuff in there if you like uh the marvel cinematic universe crossover stuff mm. uh but yeah and it and it's only six episodes on a, you know it's, oh, it's that's it yeah okay. over over in a second uh and also i engaged with red state television i watched an episode i watched a couple <laughs> episodes of yellowstone uh Wow. What is this? What is this? It's the number one show on TV, Bob. It's the well. Oh, no wonder I don't know about it. <laughs> it well, it's the number one scripted show. Like it, I got four. Its season premiere got fourteen million view views viewers. Well, I'm talking like it's a YouTube video, but it was huge rating success for a scripted show. It's okay. So it's set now, but it is about land a ranch owners in Montana, and it is like uh, stars Kevin Costner as the uh, as the patriarch of this family. 
it's kind of Game of Thronesy meets Breaking Bad about like, oh, I'm the king of this land is what Kevin Costner says. And it's like, oh, my daughter, she married this guy. And it's it's very Game of Thronesy, except more much more red state because it's about, you know, ranching and cattle drives and all this stuff. And uh, so the one episode I watched, get this, Bob, uppity Portland, Oregon hippies come into town to protest of airport and the cops beat their ass as they deserve to be beaten <laughs> and characters literally well, no wonder it's the number one show on tv characters literally say to them like you're not in portland anymore the cops aren't the bad guys here and i was like holy fuck that's what this is the show i'm watching here like but i mean it's it's fine as far as like a tv show made for people or whatever but i just couldn't get over how conservative you have to see uh which uh commercials like what commercials they're showing it really lets you know about the audience were there my pillow ads was it like health insurance ads was it like Uh, centrum silver what was going on there no okay it didn't have the old people i I also watched them jeopardy and and uh, wheel of fortune with my parents who they totally admit like yeah these are old people shows we're old we're watching them and their commercials are there's literally one for a funeral home that i was like this is too much man (laughs) like but but so on yellowstone it was for big trucks it was for other cowboy movies it's also the creator of yellowstone is kind of like the shonda rhymes of tv right now like taylor sheridan makes like five Uh, other tv shows uh and the other thing the craziest one to me though was they are trying to sell seltzer to red state people and i can't believe it it's it's called ranch water ranch water oh it's insane yeah i i, I guess aha or uh spindrift or what have you is uh, just too gay for them maybe. yes yeah but but i mean it's like it's ranch still, water the, even if they call it ranch water and like and we like this uh ranch water and we drink it, it's like no this is still too fruity for people who want to drink a cores you know like they don't they don't want to have ran- even if you call it ranch water it's still a light beer yeah. yeah but yeah it was it was interesting to at least engage in it. i was like oh, i guess i should know about this uh okay and then quick movie talk i saw spider-man matrix we already talked about it i saw matrix i saw macross plus the movie in theaters uh which was really great i'd already purchased tickets for it and then two days before it it was in the theater uh keiko nobomoto had passed away and had added extra weight to it and then made it really special and it was great i mean just to be in a theater and hear the song voices play and just just be reminded what a magical song it is and like if you've never seen macross plus yes there is a problematic thing about one guy the zentradi mm-hmm. guy definitely there is i will say though that if you're a cowboy bebop fan this is like cowboy bebop it's the entire team it's 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 watanabe it's nobomoto it's kano and it's um and the mech designer too all of them all the four major people of cowboy bebop working together on this show uh that then got turned into a movie it's really great uh and and we're seeing that was one of the that was one of the must watches back in the in the 90s for me when it was like okay i'm getting into anime what do i watch all right akira cowboy bebop this that macross plus it was it i think it still is and and macross plus had been out of print in the u.s for such a long time uh finally last year the harm gold macross thing got sorted out and they it's now it can be here again which is great and uh once once it's out on blu-ray i would bet next year definitely check it out and uh the last movie i want to talk about in depth or even a little bit is i watched tick tick boom 
which uh, is the big Netflix movie this uh, well the big Netflix musical this month I, I don't know if you heard about this Bob it's uh, no but uh, Andrew Garfield's in it right yes and he's he rightly is getting a lot of praise for his acting in it he's very good in it uh, but it is the adaptation of the other musical that the creator of Rent did if you like Rent I apologize but I think his I think rent is lame as hell. I think it is <laughs> incredibly self-serving. I think also it co-ops the pain of gay people to tell the story about a straight guy who can't make stupid movies that suck. And this is even more tick tick boom is so self-aggrandizing like there's a reason i think it didn't get adapted for such a long time because it's about what a genius the creator of it is and how hard it is to write things and how not enough people support him and there's multiple scenes where people just tell him like uh you're the greatest you're so smart you're a genius i was like ugh, lick i hate uh, that so it's it's like the movie mr burns made in um <laughs> yes yes stars burns sorry I, yeah. I i couldn't think of the name offhand no it's it's a bit like that it's about it's i mean it's about how jonathan larson while trying to write one of his musicals uh he was worried he's like i'm 30 i'm too old and then everybody tells him you're not too old you can still do it you'll be great and then also it's about how like steven sondheim complimented him a couple times and how he kind of just made a whole musical about that and then also about how his, his girlfriend didn't support him while he was trying to make the musical and how she messed up she should have she shouldn't have moved to the berkshires like eh, it's eh, 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 <laughs> i don't know i've i've watched better musicals and on top of that lin-manuel miranda directed it who i think also is oh. a very self-aggrandizing <laughs> dude so yeah but eh and then i also watched a ton of christmas classics as well including the muppets christmas carol which was a whole lot of fun to go back to yeah i saw that last year i also see uh christmas toy on your list it's yeah. been i saw that at, like in 2012 or 2013 again for the first time in i don't know 20 years and what i like about that is uh i mean toy story is a better movie but i like that christmas toy establishes there is a punishment for being seen moving around and that is dying yes yeah toy story they never answered the question like what if a, what if a human sees you well in toy story one the answer is nothing because they all turn on Sid and, and scare him but in this movie it's like no if you're seen moving you are a dead toy mm -hmm. you go to toy hell you go you just stop moving it, it, yeah the it cares much more about the rules and builds up those rules so you'll care when a character dies you know like when and yes does it does it then trash that rule at the end of the movie to just be like ah eh, you let's bring people back to life this is too sad for kids at christmas time yeah and and i mean the song at the end of it like old friends new friends home for the holidays love that song love the same with Emmett otter i i love the songs in that too it was it was a very muppety christmas i also watched christmas vacation uh which i like all right but uh, i i keep forgetting that all the, the that movie all of those christmas uh, all those vacation movies had to have like and now something for daddy moment in them which is very uncomfortable right. to watch with your mom you know i mean i know i know clark griswold is a jerk you're not supposed to sympathize with him but it's like he's a guy who is like resisting cheating on his wife and also the biggest way he's jilted is not getting enough money for a swimming pool for his christmas bonus yeah uh I, the last christmas bonus i got was a cafe press gift certificate for 15 dollars <laughs> print your I'd own i'd be happy with those jams and jellies yes yeah that it really is a gift that gives throughout the whole year i agree with his wife no well it was written at a time when you actually could expect a good bonus i suppose or a, better in the corporate world yeah i mean yeah also uh, I, the most i like about it though is that it 
it does capture the idea of like you know you're trying to prove to your parents you're a adult now and you can host christmas and that's the most i felt for clark griswold in the movie where he's he's trying to prove he's a grown-up by b- making his own lights and then the lights don't turn on and the the disappointment his family all faces him with like that feels very real i like that but yeah so that's everything i watched i also watched way too much this but if you take away one thing from this please watch saturday morning all-star hits i'm telling you if you like our podcasts and and feel like me and bob in so many ways about the things we like it is the show for you i promise you give it give it a watch if you have netflix so now we're moving on to talking simpsons comments some on topic stuff and the first episode is brush with greatness and Robert Flaxman says, I was a big Beatles fan as a kid and remain one. And one year, I thought it would be funny to play birthday on a loop at my birthday party. I think it ran three or four times and everyone agreed the gag had run its course and then some. <laughs> and uh, I will say, uh, you know what? It could be a better gag, but I bet that was before Family Guy. And uh, if you did it post Family Guy, everyone would say that's a classic Family Guy style funny moment. And I like it. That's true, man. Now it's just Family Guy by doing their own jukebox jokes make it, uh, makes it feel like, oh, if you do the same song five times in a jukebox you're just ripping off family guy you just look uncreative now instead of like a fun prankster also on that episode nina matsumoto says regarding the arizona water park death it wasn't the water slide that he got stuck in but the vertical steel tube supporting the water slide which i think is even worse you can see pics of it in the this one news story don't worry you don't see the body and then uh, nina also says i've never had a non-supportive art teacher they've all been great my high school art teacher especially she's asian and her brother collects comic book pages so she was super cool with my manga art i was also in computer graphics class where i just did a bunch of digitally drawn manga art and constantly got a's well wow that's very nice that's well, uh, that's the way they do it in canada and i i appreciate i i would have you know i did have uh one i did have one supportive art teacher i did have that i was reminded of that when i went home and saw some of my and my brother's arts like from childhood still kept by my mom i was like oh wow look at that that's not how nice uh and i'm glad to hear that uh, there were supportive art teachers in canada especially about like uh anime manga style and quotes uh artwork because obviously growing up in northeast ohio very different culture in high school is when anime and manga were kind of exploding or starting to explode and uh art teachers hated it one weird trick to piss off art teachers in the late 90s is to draw some sort of anime or manga style creation and some said shockingly racist things in front of children so there you have it that was my experience yeah no i've i've heard these horror stories from many american comic artists who grew up liking japanese comics a lot but their uh comic art teacher uh in college or high school would tell them like that's not real comics like read our crumb now that's the real (laughs) yeah but they they throw the how to draw comics the marvel way or whatever right in your face yeah and also th- thanks nina for clarifying that uh water slide fact that is much more horrifying because yeah the picture is it's this straight steel tube that's supporting a big twisty slide so getting stuck in the center of that like that actually does sound much more horrifying yes yes, yes. don't think about it it's <laughs> no. bad moving on to i'm going to praise land uh shy ranger says time for me to complain about syndication cuts once again margie's someone had a fetish line i've never heard in my life despite me seeing this episode dozens of times on tv and that's an unfortunate cut yeah. uh that's when marge she's like, like a shoe rack or something she has more than one pair of shoes or something in her yes. house yeah was that the joke yeah that okay. Maud owned more than one shoes like someone has a fetish like yeah i that's such a light 
moment like there's better stuff to cut out of there that's i'm sad to hear that that got cut out of it uh but once again it's good that syndication cuts are now the rarest version of the episode defined thanks to you know disney plus is how everyone watches these now or the dvds yep i, I know they're still on tv but i mean disney plus is like seven bucks a month you can see all seven thousand episodes mm-hmm. or or just steal them you know there's always there's always plex for uh but it, yeah. no stealing is wrong <laughs> uh also on that episode nick mold says this never stood out to me as a particularly bad episode, probably because it lacks anything especially jarring or awful like jockey elves or panda sexual assault. But it really is one of the poorest of the Scully eras. The only highlight is Disco Stews and Comic Book Guys versions of Heaven, and it just leaves you wishing they had done more with the concept for other characters. Another reason why they may have cut the original ending, I think, is because Chief Wiggum lighting a cigar and causing a gas explosion had already been done in Black Widower, which is a good point you know yeah he didn't do it enough for it to become a running gag so maybe they thought uh this was an this was an ending previously we don't want to do it again mm-hmm. and i gotta say brian quimby uh was an all-star on that episode uh new oh, guest yeah. of the show a big fan of him and his in his podcast and stuff and i felt so bad after i watched it like i can't believe we're bringing you on for the first time for this episode <laughs> but he made it a lot of fun and he does want to come back for another one so i'm looking forward to having brian back on a better episode of the show yeah it was great having brian uh, it felt i felt like i uh, i knew brian in high school like it felt so like oh yeah you're just like five different guys who i was friends with in high school and it just felt like uh, it, it really did feel awesome to get back in that groove with it with an old bro broing out absolutely uh like it did feel like i was in high school just kind of shyly sitting next to him at the <laughs> lunch table like this guy seems fun mm-hmm, and he probably won't beat me up yeah <laughs> And uh, to this day, he never has. So let's move on to Lisa's substitute. And uh, Kat Hegberg says, in the 90s, Payless had this dyeable shoe line. They were white satin, and the idea was you could easily dye them to match an outfit. When we go shopping for Easter shoes, I asked my mom if I could get them, and she would always say no, that she didn't need any extra work, and that the shoes are probably for weddings, like to match uh, bridal party dresses uh. and not Easter. That doesn't totally explain why Lisa was asking to dye shoes she already owned. I think you could probably only dye them once, but it does confirm that dyeing shoes was at least a thing around this time. Time, at least among the middle class payless shoppers. Uh, I mean, this is me speaking. It could be like 30 years later. Uh, you know, we have an even more like disposable culture in that like shoes are just so cheap. Just throw them out. Get new ones. It's yep. fine. And go to the dollar store. They probably have shoes there. So I think we're less uh, thrifty when it comes to reusing shoes in that way or just finding new utilities. Uh, you need green shoes? Go buy new green flats for like 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we learned about the, the evils of fast fashion in that Smithers boyfriend episode from this season on the show i i I appreciate cat becoming a comment clarifying this because this did dumbfound not just you and i but also emily our guest too emily vanderwerf that was another like great guest we've been wanting to have on for such a long time and it was it was so great to to have her for such a big lisa episode as well uh also on that same uh, episode we got a comment from paul who says it's interesting the two eras you are in are more saccharine classic sitcom but also the less emotional joke a second plot that doesn't matter season in season 12 and you can see the strengths and weaknesses of both styles i often see and hear people talk about modern simpsons as if it is in the latter category but if anything simpsons the last few seasons has had less jokes and been more emotional or saccharine than previous eras with stories about homer trying his best i feel like instead of trying to imitate family guy or south park these days they are trying to capture what makes shows like bob's burger 
burgers so great with mixed results. And that, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are, I think uh, this is an important episode, but if everyone was like this, the show wouldn't have lasted. We would have gotten really tired of it. And it would have become everything it was trying to parody. So I, I do enjoy moments like this, but I feel like I'm really getting ready for when we hit Blood Feud uh, at the end of season two, because that for me is when the show finally like figured itself out. Everyone was so tired and punchy. They didn't care what happened. And things just got a lot crazier and more unhinged. And the moral of the story is sometimes things just happen. Yeah. And that's an ending. <laughs> and I do ending. like how it feels like a mission statement for the next uh, 30 years, that, that episode. Yeah, yeah. I think Lisa's substitute proves that if everything hits on all cylinders and they do everything right, it can be this great. But if they did this, tried this emotional thing every week, you'd get more clunkers than not or ones where you just go like, Ugh, like, you, that's too much, Grandpa. Or uh, like, it can't, you can't have that all the time. It showed that they could get there and could strive for this in the future that when they can hit you with emotion like even in david merkin's like incredibly like mean seasons even then when it could get is something emotional it could surprise you with it but if it did it so often like they did in the the half of season two we'd have been sick of it yeah i mean david merkin as heartless as he is he gave us lisa's wedding he gave us lisa on ice and lisa the vegetarian like all of great episodes with emotional endings yeah. about oh, and, lisa, so. and bart's comet it's that's another one that yeah. just always gives me goosebumps yeah uh, uh, so moving on to what a cartoon we have comments for rudolph red-nosed reindeer the 1964 uh tv special i had a lot of fun producing that one and i hope you all enjoyed it and uh bradley given says man we really need to cancel mistletoe it's used for creepy consent bypassing kisses and since it was what loki used to kill balder it's also directly <laughs> related to the beginning of ragnarok what an evil plant and yeah i only see jokes about it now uh dealing with creeps it's no longer like a fun like kiss me and i'll giggle kind of uh gag it's more like this creep is trying to kiss me and using mistletoe as an excuse yeah see yeah, the, the guys who walk are it i think even in our childhoods it was the joke of like oh yeah the the the, the office creep at the party is the one who has the mistletoe head thing on that has it hanging in front of them, like ooh mistletoe mistletoe yeah it's uh we yeah we're and uh, <laughs> bro lives is out there telling you to kiss women for him yes What's up with that oh uh, yeah that's wrong <laughs> i'm uh, or even sam the fro uh, the snowman they i can understand it if a snowman's like i can't feel a kiss so kiss kiss her for me i'll never know that sensation <laughs> i also like the deep pull on the loki killing balder with uh with mistletoe that's uh that's a real uh my mythology classic there <laughs> assumed it was the marvel characters but uh you proved me wrong no it's the real thing actually i'm sure it has happened in a marvel comic but balder is actually kind of a lesser despite being the balder i think in the classic myth is really the lead guy of myths like thor is secondary to balder balder is the real hero but thanks to jack kirby's amazing thor comics that made him the main guy balder is kind of a secondary dude in all the marvel stuff hmm. i'm uh, only familiar with his gate all three of them <laughs> uh he makes a good gate he does uh so paul also said about uh rudolph i love the do you recall lyric for how little sense it actually makes now listen children you might know these other eight famous reindeer but tell me this do you know about this other even more famous and well-known reindeer like yeah it's 
the the concept is it is the most famous reindeer of all but do you recall him kids like well he is the most famous you should recall him you never think about it uh because it's just such a it's such a like you just say the words uh phonetically now when you're singing the song but it's actually a pretty cheeky lyric yes yeah that that first lyric of the song so thank you johnny marks you write a lot of good songs i think if you teleport yourself back to when the song was brand new it works as a great comedy line of like we're introducing to you the idea of, of rudolph but we're acting like he is the most famous reindeer and everybody's heard of him and then it just became true because the song was that and this special were that popular again it's the brilliance of johnny marks yeah. uh moving on to a lesser curse special sorry henry uh <laughs> frosty the snowman uh and cat hegberg says though i've seen the special dozens of times i remember nothing about it other than it was the first animated thing i thought was boring <laughs> every year when it would come on i would reluctantly watch it out of some strange sense of obligation but i also make sure to have a whole pile of barbies or Legos nearby to keep me entertained. And I say this as someone who had previously watched and even sort of enjoyed the internet christened worst holiday special of all time, 1991's The Christmas Tree. At least that had conflict. Also, I now just realized there were once children named Karen. And yeah. uh, I actually, I know a Karen who's uh, in, her, in her late 30s. So as, as late as the early 80s, there were still Karens being born. There will never be another child named Karen from now on. But yeah, no, I actually, that comment made me realize like, oh yeah, this Karen, she'd be 58 now. Like, so she is the perfect age for a Karen. If she was a, you know, an elementary school age child in 1969, then she'd be in her late 50s or early 60s now a perfect karen video uh lady age she'd be on uh on on facebook she'd be q-pilled she'd be asking for managers all of the classic karen antics <laughs> and and cat has a good point that this was one of those specials that it's like well it is a cartoon on at night and that's not normal in in 1988 so i i, I should just watch it uh that maybe that's why I, I i had all this particular emotions for it but uh but ryan kurtai says about it frosty's expert sledding or belly whopping actually does make sense scientifically snow takes on different consistencies depending on the temperature transition it goes through we can assume that it was a relatively warm afternoon in the town because slightly wet snow is ideal for snowman making as wet snow cools it gets hard from freezing since frosty started to melt early on before before setting into his preferred extra cold temperature it makes sense that he would have a slick icy exterior by nighttime snow that settles at below freezing temperatures meanwhile becomes powdery and ideal for sledding the fresh snow that in that child endangeringly cold wilderness might have been good powder so an ice bellied frosty belly whopping down the powdery hills is plausible enough Otherwise, it's a magic snowman. So maybe the science of his body consistency doesn't really have to make sense. But uh, Jimmy Durante knew more about snow than we realized, and I apologize <laughs> to his estate. Uh, I, I appreciate Ryan giving us the very scientific explanation of why his belly whopping would slide very quickly <laughs> on that snow. Uh, you know, I, I assume a lot of our listeners are experiencing snowy conditions right now, but uh, it was a magical snowy Christmas in Vancouver because apparently that never happens. And uh, I've been wanting it to happen for the past three years I've come here, and it's been great uh, going on lots of fun snow walks, looking at all the great decorations. It's uh, As someone who grew up in Ohio, that's kind of the only thing I miss about it is just the, the seasons, really. So uh, uh, I've been having a lot of fun up here. I was so close to getting uh, where I was staying. I, I visited my mom and stepdad. We all tested. They were boosted, and we didn't go anywhere but we stayed together the whole 
like 24th 25th 26th the weather app on the phone was like snow's a coming snow's a coming no snow like no snow on the ground we leave an hour later they get a text from their neighbor who's like oh look it's snowing i was like ah it was like waiting for us to leave like there was like three inches of snow on the ground it was a perfect snowy backyard they had and i i missed out on the snow once more it's 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 I'm completely snow pilled right now and uh <laughs> before you get mad at me i drove in snow for like 10 years so i know that part sucks mm-hmm. so uh, i apologize if that brings you uh, pain over the next couple of months <laughs> So moving on to The Grinch and uh, the classic Chuck Jones special, of course. And Tiny Crow says, I think one of the things that bugs me about Jones' tenure at MGM from 1963 to 1970 was for a guy that really respected literature, he was quick to overly tinker the source material to his taste. While I think it works in The Grinch, this obsessive need to make things a quote-unquote Chuck Jones cartoon really hurt the other books he adapted like The Phantom Tollbooth or Frank Tashlin's The Bear Who Wasn't. Say what you want about the Patty Freeling Seuss efforts, but at least those artists bent over backwards to be respectful to Seuss's design language. I guess in the 60s, Jones wanted to prove to the world his genius, or he lost the people who tamed his indulgences, but the filler and cloying fourth wall gags in The Grinch reads to me like a dude too into his own hype, or someone so self-conscious they resorted to just doing what they knew worked in the past. I have immense respect for Chuck Jones and his crew, and I still think the efforts made at his peak are some of the greatest cartoons in American history. It's not to say there also aren't gems from his MGM years, such as The Grinch, and I admit I enjoy his Tom and Jerry, such as the and the Dodd and the Line, but this period does represent some of my least favorite attributes of jones's work and he only just got worse the older he got i mean this is boss speaking that's true of all of us we're all getting worse at everything we do <laughs> just like chuck jones did hopefully yeah. i'm not getting worse at podcasting but i'm do- i'm definitely in the corner of tiny crow here in that i can't ever say chuck jones is a bad uh, animator uh you know a, a bad guy with layouts a bad guy with uh, you know anything re- involving cartoons but this period i feel like he was living in a jar of his own farts and sometimes <laughs> that resulted in some very self-indulgent uh creations and i mean Good for him because people still didn't care that much about the art of animation. And I think through his self-promotion, as much as it erased other people's names, he helped make animation cool. And we, we owe him that at least. And, you know, I yeah, I think it's we we were a little rough on late era Chuck Jones on this. And there's there's things to criticize about it. I think it sucks for him that he made some of the greatest cartoons ever in the 50s. And then 20 years later, he still wants to make cartoons that aren't as good as the greatest cartoons ever made and then on top of that with jones i also think that like if you can he mentions the patty freeling ones which were more respectful of the uh, the zeus design language but oppositely didn't have half the budget on screen you can mm-hmm. see that as in this Grinch thing like I think part of Chuck, uh, Chuck Jones's high estimation of himself also kept the budgets a bit higher and he was not the type to be like oh no we can do this for less yeah just let us do it we'll underbid this other guy like that's why the Grinch lo- looks so much better in this than in any other time you see the Grinch in uh, any cartoon his ego did pay off there yeah sure. uh and Joe Hodgson says about the Grinch this is my jam. I love this iteration of The Grinch, and I consider this the best Christmas special of all time. I don't think it's particularly controversial to say this is the best version of the story. It's obviously better than the films, but also better than the source material as the music. Boris 
Boris Karloff in the animation add so much. I grew up mostly watching this on my old Christmas tape, and CBS must have been in agreement with Henry regarding you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, because the TV edit, the year my recording came from, omitted the second of three segments of that song. I was so confused as a child whenever I watched Home Alone, as the part Kevin is watching on TV is the one I'd never seen, that cut sequence. Most of the airings that followed seemed to favor cutting down the sequence of Grinch and Max on the sleigh, but today it's usually shown completely uncut, which is for the best. I do have to wonder if the live action film is truly a Christmas classic or if cable networks are just trying to convince us that it is. I don't know anyone that likes that movie or I've never and I've never been able to get through my second viewing of it after seeing it in its original theatrical run. For some reason, my dad really wanted to see it. The newer one is okay. My kids like it and it's tolerable, but definitely completely unnecessary and full of the illumination quirks. I hate like licensed music used for a joke, which that really makes me worry about my, uh, Mario, says Henry. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, me too. There's going to be some uh, quote unquote funny musical drops in that. I absolutely know for sure. Yeah, uh, but, yeah. Like we, some people were a little a little peeved that we were uh, mean to the 2000 Grinch, and I, I still stand by that. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I paid money for it, but I do feel like I respect it because Jim Carrey committed so much to playing Andy Kaufman and the Grinch that he went insane. Yes, and he's never been the same since. That is a committed actor. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I saw a clip of uh, an old clip of him from an interview talking about like, yeah, I was taught by F- while doing makeup for it how to resist torture by fbi agents because that's what it felt like like that and i that home alone thing he mentioned that totally was what hit me watching it uh watching home alone over the break i was like oh yeah this scene uh of the grinch is the one that was cut from tv at the time that this home alone uh movie came out in 90 so i wonder if like columbus or some other producer wanted to say like they shouldn't cut this scene from the grinch i remember from (laughs) when i was a kid i'm putting it in in the movie I could see that. I could see that being an intent, uh, their intent for that, for yeah. sure. So we're doing this recording so late that we can actually cover Millennium Actress. So up first, we have Adam Elmadi, who says, Not finished the episode yet, but I just wanted to say Rojan Z is legitimately excellent. It's no Akira, but it's not intended to be. As a satire of how society treats the elderly, the automation of social care, and the militarization of technology, it's perhaps as prescient as it's ever been and well worth a watch. And uh, this is Bob speaking. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out now. I feel like I was too immature to care about it when it was airing on yeah. sci-fi channel like anime about old people uh show me cool sci-fi things and boobs and whatnot but now i'm like almost 40 i could be <laughs> in one of these old people pods i think at this point so uh let's let's watch rojin z i'm, I'm on board we're, we're finally old enough to catch up to what otomo was talking about which <laughs> yeah uh and uh yeah no i'm gonna get check it out as well and uh, chris dobson says in our final comment I love this movie and every clone movie, so it was great to hear y'all talk about it. You guys touched on it, but I think the reason that Chiyoko blends her real life with the characters she played so much is that she more or less stumbled across the Stanislavski acting method, and that she is since memorying her, her performance to the point that she has trouble separating her life from the roles, which is even harder because her career is full of her playing exactly the type of roles she lives. She's a virginal hero chasing after something desperately, and then ages into the unsatisfied middle-aged actress who still is chasing after someone because she's unhappy. The early scene where she's so woodenly acting is contrasted with her good acting, which is when she's literally just saying what she wants, not even as the character. As she goes on, she's able to take the character she plays and find the connection of her 
own to her own life that lets her internalize the character but it makes it so that when she recalls the roles it's very much caught up in her own life she remembers her fight with her mom as the same fight a character had with Aiko in a scene because she has used her emotional intention and sense memory for the of the real fight in that acting fight which I that is a great point I didn't I didn't think about like that's another it's not just yeah. that she's old and her memories are fading together her acting being so good calling upon real emotions that's what tethered it together that is a great point by dobson yeah and it's definitely worth uh, a second watch just to uh, piece together what is a memory what is real what is a crossing of the two because it can be a little confusing the first viewing and it's a short enough movie that watching it again is not a big deal so i definitely if you didn't get a lot out of it the first time check it out again uh i having seen it like four times now i, I like it even more with, with each viewing and there was one other comment i liked that it, uh, it's both it's free on youtube in the u.s at least and it's also free on the app Tubi, but the somebody mentioned watching it on Tubi, and right at the end when the music would come in, which is like this beautiful, gorgeous moment, it's like an ad for the next thing you can watch on Tubi just shoves over the screen, and it's like, oh god, that's awful. Yeah, I heard it like uh, people were saying "Jingle All the Way," uh, just yes. like t- uh, took over their screen as soon as the movie was done, which is like a uh, way different tone. Yeah, I guess it's also a holiday movie, but uh, hey, uh, I don't want to hear about Turbo Man. I want to see who made this movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for Talk to the Audience. But one thing I forgot to mention about my personal life, if anyone cares out there, is that we've been talking about my my ongoing journey to become a permanent resident of Canada. And in a very unceremonious way, when I landed, I became a permanent resident. Woo! That doesn't mean I'm staying here. I'm going back to the States in January to continue living my life. But odds are I'll be moving in 2022. We're continuing the podcast again. Nothing will change. Setting up a recording studio here. Flying back a lot to uh, do recordings in, in person. But yeah, like I landed. The last step was handed a customs guy a piece of paper they stamped it they signed it and said you're a permanent resident now here you wow. go so my card is coming in the mail and it took about from when we first started working on it until the actual acceptance uh, into Canada it was February to uh, mid-December uh, Ooh, although boy. we submitted all of our paperwork in late April so for most people I think that's a quick turnaround Damn. and uh, it, even if you have a wife and a job and I uh, have a clean record it still takes a lot of time and our two great lawyers helped us out a lot so it was quite a journey and thank you for all thank you for all being patient with all my updates about it because it's been uh, taking over a lot of my life it's like a third job on top of writing out to Talking Simpsons is keep track of all the immigration stuff i I'm, i was very happy to hear that uh that it was finally official to see you uh tweet it out and let everybody know like yeah it's finally official now the you know you can move forward with the actual plans to move now that you actually are allowed to live there uh it is as uh, on a full-time basis so i was very happy for you anita too that was that was and great I, oh sorry Henry. i have to laugh about like invasions of privacy people are like I, the government's not telling me what to do well in my case uh i'm fine with it they've already won uh, i've given them my blood and my pee and x-rays and everything so it's like you have everything you need fine take more it's fine just let me live here it's cool yeah have have every part of my life i just let me live yeah. here. yeah <laughs> i think i mean part of it basically make a scrapbook of your relationship so they essentially got the bob and nina story like the novelization of our love mm-hmm. so uh it's soon to be a bestseller in canada look for it <laughs> i i think something is a very american uh uninformed way of looking at it that that we all kind of unlearn if you go through this process is that like whether you're trying to like leave america for canada or come into america it's not like oh and then you like sign a piece of paper and you're a citizen right like no absolutely not they make it the hardest longest thing ever uh well honestly i think it's because there's so much anti-immigrant bullshit in in every country that they have to they have all of this like means testing shit just to prevent you from making it to 
too easy. And they know they know how good their healthcare is. And so yeah. obviously, I mean, I don't I don't think it's cool, but they don't want people to abuse it. So they want to make sure you don't have like lingering health conditions or whatever, which is why again, the full medical examination I had to go Oof. through to be like, "You are you healthy enough to move here?" <laughs> hey, you okay. just you but just now want I can get sick as I want. I can get every kind of sickness now that they approve me. So I'm free to be sick. Oh, uh, that's uh, well that that's uh, that's so great uh, and also like, you know, a perfect timing too just ahead of your your anniversary as well and happy anniversary to you guys too it's uh yes uh, very sweet and i appreciate all the listeners and their support because i couldn't have time to do all of this stuff if i had to do a, a full-time job on top of you know the podcasting so because of that i was able to devote like tons and tons of hours to working with nina and our lawyers to get all this done so i appreciate everyone out there and their and their support on patreon definitely yeah. oh yeah in general yeah i'm gonna say this 2021 flew by i can't believe how fast it went it's ridiculous i i I can't believe it's 2022 no pretty much now and so i just uh i just did want to say thanks to everybody for their support this year and we've you know we're we've got more subscribers than ever on the patreon we we welcome all the new folks and all the people who've been with us since it started we're we're getting close to our fifth anniversary now even of starting the patreon and so yeah i just i thanks for making this 2021 you know great for for us we we really loved working on yeah. all the all the podcasts this year. I mean, again, not not another great year in general, but for us, uh, it's been very very good for the Patreon. We have more uh, more income and more listeners than ever before, and it keeps getting better. And it's nice to see that people uh, our hard work pays off, and we can even pull back a little bit, like on what a cartoon, and people don't leave in droves or call us lazy or call it try say that we're trying to rip them off or anything. We know our listeners. Uh, we have they have faith, more faith in us than that. So it's been so nice to see uh, just at least one thing is stable in this crazy world and that's uh that's podcasting <laughs> yeah yeah and 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 thank you also to all of our amazing guests this year uh, new and old and we've got some really great ones coming in the new year too we've had so many we had so many guests this year that i was like oh wow i've always wanted them on but uh will we ever be able to and then like boom we just gotta like i they they were all great i don't want to single out one of them just it it, it would be a disservice to all mm. of our great guests to uh, just single out one of them but we i i loved them all this year and just a brief recap of things we talked about up front. So first week of the year, we're taking off on Patreon. That'll be the second week on what on the uh, free feed, but you'll get things for both Talking Simpsons and What a Cartoon in their place. So uh, there'll still be stuff for you to listen to from the past, from our archives. But again, uh, January's, we're kicking off uh, you know two uh, Patreon-exclusive podcasts every month. That's Talking Futurama and Talking of the Hill. And our normal Talking Simpsons schedule with uh, Talk to the Audience as well. And keep an eye out for the February movie poll to vote on either the Aqua Teen, Sailor Moon R, Batman, Super Superman or South Park movies. Pick them as our February What a Cartoon movie in the poll on the Patreon. So that was Talk to the Audience, everyone. Thanks again for another great year, and we'll see you next month. Wow. Infotainment.